check. On this episode, I interview the co-founders of AltruRx, a nonprofit venture that facilitates the redistribution of unused, short-dated medications. Hope you enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith, and I have three guests with me today representing one uh, one organization, the Altrui Foundation, which I'm really excited to learn about. Um, someone had reached out to me on Instagram about it. And when I started looking into it, I was like, this is amazing. And it's really cool. And it was something that was done by, um, by a young group of individuals passionate about what they're doing. So um, I'm happy to have you all on here. Let's just start by intros. Uh, so Shrey, if you can kick us off by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, we'll go around the quote-unquote room here, uh, even though we're all virtual, and then um, and then we'll jump into what what it is that All True Foundation is doing. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you for the introduction. Um, so I'm Shreya. I live in New Jersey, but I currently go to a boarding school in New Hampshire, St. Paul's. So I'm currently a senior right now, um, and I'm one of the co-CEOs and co-founders of All True Foundation. Uh, my name is Sarish. Um, I am a freshman at the University of Pennsylvania studying in the Wharton School um, for a business degree, and I'm one of the co-founders of Altree Foundation. Hi, I'm Rahul. Happy to be here. Um, I'm a junior at St. Paul School in New Hampshire, um, and I'm one of the co-CEOs and co-founders of Altree. So uh, I'm really curious to hear about the uh, about the origin story because you know you all obviously with your intros you know you're young professionals um, starting off your careers uh, and but w- with what seems to be a pretty grand vision. So what, what what's actually the origin story of the Altrui Foundation? Sure, I can kick I can uh, start that off. So um, in the summer of 2019, I was working in a local pharmacy in Brooklyn, and you know one of my tasks was. Um, to flag the short, the near expired medications and, you know, put them in a bin. And um, over there, I was starting to kind of realize how many medications, you know, were put, were being put to waste each day. And so I have a lot of experience in like the social impact and entrepreneurship world, along with Shreya and Sorish. And so, um, you know, in April, we were thinking, you know, to create some sort of initiative, um, you know, from the short dated medications and Shreya or Sorish, you want to take it from there? Yeah, so kind of um, going a little bit back, but basically last March, we uh, were watching this news segment about the increased medical waste due to the pandemic. Um, so I think that's what kind of kickstarted it, as well as Rahul's own experience working with the unused and excess medications. So going from there, we thought of a we thought of a way kind of thinking, OK, well, there is this industry worth five billion dollars of unused and excess medications that go to waste each year. At the same time, there's millions of uninsured patients or patients that just don't have the means to get the medications they need. So why not somehow act as this conduit or bridge between that, trying to get the medications to the people that need it? Yeah, and um, you know, from there, once we had the initial idea, there was a lot of testing. It was a lot of figuring out what exactly the market and where in the supply chain that we would work to make all of this happen. And you know, like about a year later, I think now, um, you know, we have five hundred one c three status. We have done over thirty million dollars in products of you know facilitating those from all these big pharma companies to charitable organizations across the world. So, you know, we're really proud of where we've gotten, and we can see so much more that we can go and do as well. 
No, it sounds amazing. So what is it, you know, you talked about the gap, but what is it that you're actually doing from an operational side? Like what, what does the foundation actually do? Yeah. So, um, what we do is, uh, currently we don't actually touch any of the medications. So that's an interesting kind of bridge that we are, but we take the inventory lists from the pharmaceutical manufacturers of their unused and excess medications. And we give those over to our partnering charitable organizations. And they kind of go through the list and determine which medications they want. We send that back to the manufacturers who then ship the medications from their warehouses to the warehouses of the charitable organizations who then distribute them to the patients all over. Yeah, just in like one sentence, we are the like the first marketplace for short dated medication is marketed in terms of like prices and stuff. But uh, as free donations, it's a place to connect all of the relevant parties for this ecosystem. Yeah. And, you know, kind of to add on like what what Altry is looking to do. So as, as Soros and Shai were saying before, you know, the manufacturers just destroy medications at one to three dollars a pound. And so, you know, we're looking to destroy their cost of incineration by actually donating those to patients in need. Um, as you know, there's like billions of patients who actually need medications each year. And also uh, the medications, when they're incinerated and destroyed, they have a huge, you know, runoff on the environment and they pollute into waterways. Um, and so, you know, we're also trying to make an impact in that space. So what are the organizations like that are receiving on the receiving end of the medications? Like, can you give me an example of what organizations are likely, you know, to be a candidate to receive um, these medications and distribute out to, you know, those that might be in need? Yeah, so there are a few qualifications. Um, they have to be 501c3 and charitable organizations. Um, and these are people that work in disaster areas and work with uninsured patients. So just dropping a couple of names of partners that we have. Uh, MAP Internationals, MAP International Serum, AmeriCares, uh, Kingsway Charities, those are all some of the people that we work with. And on the ground level, a lot of these organizations are actually kind of like charitable networks as well. So they work with even smaller organizations in other countries or local, um, you know, safety net clinic pharmacies in the United States to get these uh, medications out. So you mentioned them. You mentioned it being like a five hundred one c, and that you have that status as well. So I know you know starting a business for the most part, a regular for profit business, pretty easy. Like you just register it, like with the state or whatever, and boom, you're like you're good to go. Um, for the most part, you just create LLC or sole proprietorship, whatever. But a five hundred one c, like that's a whole different like ball game with creating that. So can you maybe tell us what the like what that was like? Maybe what some challenges are in terms of, um, you know, creating a nonprofit. And then I would also, I'm interested to hear is why did you go the nonprofit route? Like why not just create an organization that may have been for profit with, you know, with some other incentives that are there, but, um, you know, love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So I could take like answering the question about the for-profit nonprofit. So, you know, originally we started this as a nonprofit since, um, you know, we're all kids and we primarily had experience doing the social impact and doing a lot of work for the community. And so we saw this as a way to, you know, help the patients out who actually need the medications. So, you know, we went towards the, towards the nonprofit route, but, you know, in the future, we do have a vision on potentially making this a, a for-profit um, organization. And I don't know, sorry, you want to take another question? Yeah. Um, so in terms of becoming a 501c3, it was definitely not the easiest thing to do because there's a lot of, um, you know, compliance things you have to do with the IRS for that. 
Um, but once we filed, it took about, I think we filed around this time last year and we got our official 501c3 letter in the mail just like a couple weeks ago, I think. Right, Shreya? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, very recent. Yeah, so we, we kind of like operated under this idea of like, we don't know when we're going to get that 501c3 letter. Uh, we just know it's coming sometime, maybe next week, maybe tomorrow, maybe in a couple months. Um, but for the most part, our our model didn't really need us to be 501c3. We were trying to be, um, we, you know, we weren't touching medications or we weren't ever taking in money from other people with the purpose of like, you know, spending it for our compensations and stuff. So we were able to just kind of operate off of a nonprofit shell. So how, what was the actual like wait period then? Cause you said like, you don't, you weren't sure like when you were gonna take it, but like when you submitted it to when you received it, what was that? How long was that? Yeah, it took I roughly want... 11 months, I would say. Yeah, 11 months, 10 to 11 months. Yeah, <laughs> we had a lot of uh, follow-up phone calls and everything, but finally we received it. And what are like the specifics? Like what, like different from like creating a regular business, like what specifics like made it such like a big process or a harder process? Um, to create that 501c platform so it's not actually like uh incredibly harder like you're still going to have someone file it for you um they know the details of both sides it's more of just the irs takes your time to look through it and you know as you can imagine they don't just hand out 501c3s all the time it takes a little bit more time for them so that's that's mainly the tough part just waiting and being complacent for those 10 or 11 months gotcha well, I, it sounds like you had like someone that was experienced with filing for a 51C3 um, because yeah. some people try to do this kind of like from scratch. So um, which is which is a challenge. But if you've had someone, obviously, that makes it a lot easier. So that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So what's it like? I mean, what's getting your first manufacturer? I would love to hear about like what is the challenge with, I guess, the process with sourcing these medications? Like, how did that even come about and begin? Because I'm sure a lot of people will say, well, that sounds like a great idea, but where did you even start? And I'd love to hear about that that story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, a year ago. Um, it was definitely tough because we did have to reach out to a few manufacturers and organizations at the same time. Um, and I think when they got on the Zoom calls, they didn't expect to see three high school slash college students, right? Especially, why would they try, why would they let us deal with their medications? Um, it's a little difficult, especially since we don't have experience. So I think in the beginning, um, we kind of created our pitch decks. We kind of uh, made the talking points of what to do, how to pitch it, and also explain what the benefits were for the manufacturers or the organization to kind of get them on board. Um, so we did do a Zoom call and we had some meetings and explained these points. And I think finally when a manufacturer did kind of see the um, ambition that we had, saw that this idea was um, helpful, um, helpful on their end, how could help the patients, they decided to actually come on board. So, and then of course, it's definitely improved from there from just having one um, partnering manufacturer and organization to bringing on many more, I think the process became a little bit easier um, in terms of like, getting the medications out. So being that I think, you know, like you mentioned, the challenge of being someone that is, you know, potentially a high school student or even a, an early college student, what sort of advice would you give for others that might be in the same boat that want to do something like this? Like, how did you overcome that? Like from a confidence perspective, from like the execution of it, 
what advice would you give someone now that you've kind of been you're you know you're really on the other end of it now even though obviously it's still the early beginnings but for someone that just wants to take that first step but have that concern of like well i'm like i'm just a freshman in college like what advice can you give to them you know i think it's really important to have your business model like you know set and firm since you know when you're pitching to a lot of people in a more experienced stage they want to make sure that they're actually giving the medications to someone who can handle their inventory well and you know um, someone who might not be, you know, pretty knowledgeable in that space and they want to create a business out of this, I think just cut, they should try to research, um, you know, the different ways they can, they can try to help out what their organization should specifically do. And, you know, from then on, I think they should be pretty clear in what the vision of the organization to, should look like. Yeah. Um, kind of going off, off of that, Rahul and I have spent mo- like kind of the last five years talking to different entrepreneurs and like industry leaders in like a blog we have. And so the question that we always asked at the end of it was, and Rahul, you can, you know, recite the question from memory at this point, but like, what would you offer high school and college students in terms of advice about how to pursue their passions and make a change in the world? So after I think 75 of those answers, we knew about how we were supposed to kind of reach out to people, how we're supposed to pitch ourselves, what worked and didn't work just through trial and error. So I would really encourage people to just go and reach out to people. Um, I'd say the world, especially the corporate world, it might be a little bit hard to like get into and a little bureaucratic, but people are people are people and they're pretty nice when you're 14 or 15 years old or even when you're below 20, I think people are very receptive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think honestly just not giving up because of course you are going to um, come across people that might say no, I'm sorry, I can't work with you, but really just not taking that to heart and continuing to continuing to fight, continuing to find more people to talk to um, because of course if you have a vision, if you have a goal and you understand where your idea is going to go and I, I think it's just like finding someone that sees the same vision as you. Yeah, I think what's in, what really stood out to me out of this is the the quote "people are people." Um, sorry, because like that, yes, someone might be in a position, you know, leading an organization, and they might have twenty years of experience under their belt. But at the end of the day, like that person is a person, and usually all the other barriers kind of get broken down once you realize that people are just people. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. I love that quote, and I hope that's helped me as well because I've been in a sim- similar situations where. I'm kind of new or young and, you know, entering a space where there's a lot of people that are experienced and have like other positions that like I never even dreamed of having. And I'm, I'm having conversations with them and doing business with them. And then it just comes to realize people are just people. And um, once you're able to communicate and build relationships, that's all that really um, ends up breaking that through that barrier. So I appreciate that. Uh, all right, let's move on. So what's what's next? So you had mentioned um, about the. Um, Rahul about how eventually it may become something that's for profit, um, you know, but uh, who knows when that'd be, but I'm, I'm curious to know what's on the horizon. Maybe you can tell me what's, what's short-term horizon for um, the foundation and then maybe what like the long-term vision is. I'd love to hear about that. And, um, and then hopefully we'll be able to come back 10 years and, and see, you know, how that actually turned out. So that'd be cool. Sure. I could take the long, I, I could take the short-term vision one. So, you know, we just released our online platform 2L, which is short for second life. And, you know, that's a, pretty much an online marketplace where manufacturers can upload the inventory list and, you know, charitable organizations that we work with can choose the medication request and then we could filter it out. And the entire process would be a lot more swift, less emails, 
Um, and so, you know, with the platform uh, being launched, I think short term, we're going to try to get in contact with a lot more manufacturers and organizations since we really see this being able to scale out a lot more with the platform. And so I think that's one of our target goals, you know, in the next coming months. Yeah, and in terms of um, longer term vision, we're really focused on being a sustainable organization. Um, you know, we haven't we haven't really gone way too far in considering whether this is best for profit or nonprofit because right now we're nonprofit and it's working out for us. Um, and what we're focused on is creating this model where um, by working in the industry, by creating this marketplace, we're able to have funds to continue growing and to be able to get billions of dollars of medications transferred every year that are short dated because otherwise, if you think about it, they're just kind of rotting in warehouses and there's a better way to do it. So, you know, we like to use the term like giving medication a second life. And so as long as the, the ideal situation is that Alturi no longer has to exist because the problem doesn't exist, but there's a reason why we're here. And so as long as a problem's there, we'd like to think that we're trying to encompass and take away as much of it as possible. So I hope that makes sense for like a long-term vision statement. Yeah. And I think there's also some confusion too about how, like, even though something is a nonprofit, you still have to make revenue to operate as an organization. Um, so maybe, is there a way to maybe let us know what that's like? Um, and then, you know, is like, how is it, or what's the plan for making a sustainable, let's say you keep it non nonprofit, like what's the plan for keeping it sustainable to be able to generate revenue? Is it going to be solely off donations? Is there going to be a time where there will be like products or services that you'll charge for, um, or have people, you know, a marketplace where people can buy things. So I'd love to hear about what that, what that looks like. Yeah. So currently, um, some of the money that we've received have been from grant competitions that we've entered into and thankfully have won, which we're really proud of. Um, at the same time, so what we've understood is that manufacturers, once they um, donate their medications, they actually receive um, tax deductions from the government. So what we tried doing, our model we kind of created is trying to ask for a certain percent, even if it's just like 0.1% of um of the money that they're getting from tax deductions. And if they're able to donate that, that's pretty um, helpful to kind of sustain ourselves. So we've been able to receive a small donation from just one manufacturer so far, and that's been pretty helpful. Yeah, and in, in the long term, like our plan for this is basically, first, go in, create a heck of a lot of value, make sure that they know that if we're not there, then this becomes a really complex and cruddy thing to be doing by yourself. And then once you have that value and they really know who you are, then it's say, hey, we're not trying to like kill your profits. We're trying to make it sustainable. We're trying to make this something that because you need it, we need it to, uh, we need money to operate. So, you know, go through creating value first and then ask for funding when it's necessary. So uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this episode is because I wanted to utilize this platform to help because I really believe in kind of what you all are doing. And I'm excited that, you know, just there's, you know, a group of young individuals that are that are passionate about this space. And um, so being that said, with this platform, like what people that are listening, what can we do to help? Like, what are the steps that we can do to help ensure that um, the, whether it's being sustainable, whether it's spreading the word, what, what's the best thing for people that are listening to do? And, and like, like, how can we actually help this, um, this mission? One way is, you know, just really trying to share the story, spread the word since, 
you know, we have a lot of features that we that other news outlets publish of us and some reports that we make. And, you know, if someone sees it, um, there's not a lot of people who, you know, see it right now, but if someone does see it, I think it'd be incredible to share that story of ours and potentially like share this, you know, this radio episode. Um, since there are a lot of people in the healthcare industry that might not have heard of us. And, you know, I think there's a decent amount of people who would love to work with us as our organization definitely pertains to them. And so um, one one thing I could really recommend is try to spread the word of Altry Foundation and it'd be a huge way to support us. Um, another thing I would say is, you know, we're right now we're working with a lot of these people who are doing like the groundwork. So definitely take the time to be like an active consumer when you're getting these medications and stuff. Try to find out where it comes from. What does the supply chain look like? Um, who are the people that are doing the charitable work in the field? So for us, it's a lot of the safety net clinics and a lot of the organizations. So go out and definitely find ways to support them too, because they're doing some incredible work. Awesome. So I, I do want to also, um, get to, let's do some personal stuff. I want to learn about, you know, the stuff that you all are maybe doing or, or some hobbies outside of the foundation. So. Um, Shreya, let's start with you. What outside of outside of foundation? What is it like? Hobbies? What's like taking up your time? What's something you're, you know, excited about doing right now outside of what, what the episode was mainly about? Yeah, of course. Um, I'll start with one hobby. I love to dance, and I've I like to say that one of my fun facts is that I've tried six different styles of dance mm. in my life. Um, I currently am sticking with like about three right now, but. That's really fun. I think that really helps me take my mind off of anything. That's my um, outlet for stress. Um, other than that, I'm also really interested in drug development research. So it's kind of along the lines of public health and improving the lives of others, of course, through Altree or through my research. So I um, I do a little bit of that. So you can find me in the lab or you can find me on the dance floor, I like to say. Nice. <laughs> so um, for just uh, a follow-up question there in terms of what your future then looks like in terms of um, from like degrees and stuff. Is there, is there a specific degree that you're going to be pursuing um, in that space? Um, so I'm not completely too sure. I mean, I'm going to college next year, of course, but I still want to explore. I'm really interested in entrepreneurship as well as public health. So mm -hmm. I'm in that realm. Yeah, it's tough because one of those you don't need college for. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, cool. Well, it's exciting. Uh, Sarish? Yeah, so um, I'd say my outlet for stress is probably the gym. Um, love to go to the gym like as often as I can. Um, and then in terms of stuff that I do outside of Ultra, so I recently uh, stepped down as one of the CEOs, giving Rahul and Shreya, um, you know, a little bit more room to just like grow the organization and take it to the next step. Um, and in my time now, I'm actually creating a fintech company with my roommate. So, you know, we're really working on that side as well. Uh, sure, I can. Yeah. So I would say, you know, some of the things I like to do outside of Altree, um, I like to play tennis. Uh, you know, Sorish and I used to play when we were younger a lot. And I also like going to the gym. Um, I love watching Shark Tank, you know, trying to meet, understanding the new businesses that are occurring in our everyday life that I might not he hear of. Um, and, you know, I'm also an avid blogger and podcaster like yourself. As Sorish was saying, we love to talk to new people. Um, kind of understand the overlaps between social impact and profit driven. And, you know, that's something I'd be interested in studying in college because I think there's a lot of uniqueness there in the world and a lot of companies are, you know, turning into that field. Nice. 
Any uh, anyone played game video games? Um, by any chance, anything what? someone's passionate super about? Smash Bros. So I yeah, super. I just got hooked on Rocket League, man. Like I started playing. Have <laughs> you ever heard of that game? Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. that is the freaking coolest game in the world. Like I, I just got a PS5 not too long ago because I have a seven month old son and um, I haven't been playing video games for a while, like probably since pharmacy school. But n now I know that I have a son, I have to like train in video games because I know he's going to try to beat me and stuff. So I'm like, I'm literally like training, but I discovered Rocket League and I usually play with, like Madden or like FIFA and stuff. But man, Rocket League is the coolest game in the world. Um, highly recommend people try it. That. Yeah. Um, I can attest fun game. Yeah, no, it's fun. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I appreciate the time here. This was a, a really great conversation. I'm really excited to hear and, and follow along the story. Um, I'm going to be keeping a close eye and I hope listeners do as well. Um, but before I let you all go, what's the best way that people can connect back um, with either yourselves personally on social media or, or with the foundation? Our website is a great resource, Autry Foundation. If you just search that up, it gives a lot of information on the work that we're doing. Um, you could also email, it, email us at altruefoundation at gmail.com or connect with us on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I would say, you know, follow our social media channels, both on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. And, you know, I just, you know, as I was saying before, just read like the stories that come up with Altry and don't be afraid to like, connect with us. We would love to hear uh, anything that you have in mind. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Best of luck on the journey. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you all enjoyed that episode. I'm really excited to see um, what this young group of leaders is going to do with uh, the Altrui Foundation and Altrui RX. Um, I'm going to include all of the uh, ways to connect back with them and ways to help uh, in the show notes. Uh, so make sure to definitely check them out and follow them on social media. Make sure to connect with RX Radio on social media if you haven't yet. Subscribe to the podcast. And as always, really appreciate you tuning into the episodes. And I hope you have a really, really wonderful rest of your day. Pharmacy.